Welcome to KXA News Today. Opening arguments begin in a lawsuit on how books are sold in Texas. The law targets books with content deemed sexually explicit. Austin's book people and other plaintiffs say the law requires vendors to rate books they sell to school libraries. Books found on school shelves without a rating could be removed. Hawaii's Attorney General issuing a subpoena to three Maui agencies over their response to the deadly Maui wildfire in August that killed close to 100 people. Representatives for Emergency Management, Public Works, and Water Supply have been subpoenaed and are going to appear on December 11th to give testimony and present documents for examination. The University of Texas kicking off its Longhorn Lights tonight. It is a free community holiday light show opening up on Guadalupe Street between 21st and 24th Streets. Set to popular music from the Longhorn Band and begins tonight running nightly from 5 to 10 through January 1st. Before that, clouds starting to move in as a storm is headed our way later this week. Good morning, I'm Tom Miller. Good morning, I'm Sally Ethnandis, meteorologist Nick Bannon is here to tell us all about this storm coming in. Yes, it's uh, tomorrow morning through early afternoon, but there's a severe weather risk with it, and we actually haven't had much severe weather here in a little right. bit, so <laughs> gotta get our guard up. Let's take you outside right now to the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center in South Austin. Not expecting severe weather today, but the clouds are coming in, and you can already see the gray skies taking over there. It's still a chilly morning, though, at 45 degrees, and we even have some 30s in the hill country where the clouds have not thickened up as much yet. But as these clouds take over, temperatures will slowly rise here uh, this morning. But a chilly start, and it will eventually be a gray day. You can see the gray taking over here slowly from the south and southwest as we take a current uh, to a partly cloudy sky here now to mostly cloudy in some spots. You see over the next few hours, the skies just thicken up 42 at 6, 44 at 8 and 50 here by 10. But we do expect we stay dry here during the daylight hours of the day. Coming up in first warning weather, we'll time out the storms that come in overnight and into your Thursday. An updated severe weather risk that has increased for many of us, including parts of the Austin Metro. And then after that, a warmer stretch for us, Sally. Sounds good. Nick, thank you. An Austin police officer who responded to a call that ultimately led to his death and his colleague getting hurt. The body camera video released from the other officers have been released. Officer Jorge Pastor died on November 11th while responding to a SWAT call. Yesterday, police released that video from that night. And you're going to see part of that video. Hearing the victim's emergency call, you're going to hear gunshots. Incoming Austin Police Association President Michael Bullock, who was there that night, climbed through, comb rather, through the video rather, with KXN's Brianna Hollis to talk about decision making, the process, what it was like at the scene. The video APD released starts with an officer finding someone injured when they first arrived on Bernoulli Drive. What is the process like when it comes to, you know, triaging how to help this victim versus everything else that's going on? A lot of stuff that goes into all of this and they're trying to take in a whole bunch of information. But you know, when you see someone is up and talking and walking, and you know, other units are coming behind you. It's where kind of you have to think through, you know, this person is going to be cared for. We know where they are. We know there's not anyone around them that's actively trying to hurt them. Hey, hey, give a little distance until unless we're going to kick the door. For the officers that initially arrive, they're the ones who have to make that decision, right? There's no, there's no ultimate 
kind of command decision that forces an officer to go in there. It's the officer's own sense of duty and their, you know, them knowing what their job is in order to go save someone's life. That's what drives them in. All right, I'm going to force intro to get out of the way, okay? After this, officers retreated and the department called the SWAT team in. This is when the department says Pastor was shot and later died. Three other people died, including the suspect. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. And Brianna tells us because of a new privacy code, APD did not release video that was captured inside of the home. Now, if you listen to that 911 call that day, there's part that really stands out that we wanted to talk about. It's the part where there's a brief hold, and while one of the victims was on the line with the 911 operator, the hold lasted about 20 seconds. So we're going to play you a portion of that audio and then explain what happened. Hold for the ambulance. You have reached. Don't hang up. Okay. Do not hang up. Please hold for the next available call taker. Hello? Don't hang up, okay? They're on the line. We're going to get the ambulance. It's It's okay. by the Siento Operadora. Please, get the police. Get the ambulance. They're on the way. Firefighters. Okay, what's your name? You have reached Austin Travis County. Oh, you're Do not hang up. Say it again. Anyone, what's the address for your emergency? Now, an APD source familiar with the emergency communication says that hold that you just heard came when the original 911 operator who's a police department operator, had to transfer the call to EMS. And we should say that operator did what they are supposed to do. They stayed on the line with that caller, speaking over the hold recording, then staying on the line for that full EMS call. That is so they can then relay all that information to police as well. And all three APD officers opened fire during that shootout and all have been placed on administrative leave. That is just APD protocol. Police say the suspect, 35-year-old Amir Nassar, died during the incident and neighbors tell us the other two victims 32 year old Rayid Nassar and 63 year old Ayman Nassar were the suspect's brother and mother. All right Austin police also warning people of an impersonator according to the department several people have received calls from someone impersonating an APD chief and demanding money to settle a fine or warrant. Police made it clear they will never call you asking for money. Phone numbers can be made to appear like they're com coming from a real government entity. So always verify the caller's identity with the agency they claim to represent. Never share any of your personal information. You could always report calls like that to Austin 311. Also this morning, you can expect to see some smoke in Travis County, but it's all under control. Travis County Park Service is planning to burn invading shrubs in Southeast Metropolitan Park, happening between 9 this morning and 6 tonight. They say it's to reduce wildfire danger and improve ecosystem health. The smoke impact should be relatively light. Only some parts of the park will be closed for the week. We've got the list of those areas at KXAN.com. Tense moments caught on video from the Rio Grande area as Texas DPS troopers rush to save migrants swept downstream as they cross the river. And how new campuses coming online means a shuffle for nearly everyone else. A local school district in the fastest growing city in America facing change to keep up. 
Former attorney and convicted killer Alec Murdoch has been sentenced to 27 years for his financial crimes against former clients. Murdoch pleaded guilty to 22 counts last week, including money laundering, breach of trust, and financial fraud. A jury convicted Murdoch of murdering his wife and son earlier this year, and he is now serving life in prison. Really tense moments caught on the Rio Grande to show you Texas DPS troopers rushing to save migrants from drowning are being swept downstream as they cross the river near Eagle Pass. The dramatic video shows the tactical Marine unit responding. The agency says operators acted swiftly in deploying personnel flotation devices, pulling women and children out of the river and performing CPR. No word on any kind of serious injuries. Still have the chances ERCOT could issue blackouts if we have extreme weather this winter. As Austin Energy works to make sure the lights and your heat stay on through the worst of the cold. Mystery illness when it comes to dogs. Many dogs across the country are getting it. Is it happening here in Texas? What experts are saying about it and how to protect your pet? Good morning and welcome back everyone. This is a live look at over, over at the Circuit of the Americas to start off your Wednesday, November the 29th. Nick is here with a check of your weather in just the next few minutes, but it's cold outside. However, it's not cold like we saw in the last few months where there were some repeat power outages over the winter over the winter season, we have to deal with that. Yeah, it's something that uh, Austin Energy is thinking about. The utility rolling out a new overhead power line this week at its McNeil substation up north. It says the new line carries 50% more power than the lines it's using now, and importantly, is more resilient. Should help power nearby businesses, homes, and schools more reliably. We got to go check it out as that installation started. We've got another project in the pipeline where we're planning to use this. Um, and yeah, if everything goes uh, according to plan and works well, uh, I, I expect you'll see more of it. We'll see more of it in the future. The new lines cost a bit more than the old ones, but Austin Energy says it is expected to last longer. Because we don't want to see what happened last winter. No, we don't. With this in mind, we have meteorologist Nick Bannon joining us. And Nick, the state's grid operator, ERCOT, puts out this monthly report where it sort of analyzes how things are going. What did this latest one say? So. Those go out two months in advance. This is something introduced just last month. The reports include a section on available capacity per hour and potentially a winter storm scenario. Now, for December, at the most extreme scenario, ERCOT calculates about a 14% chance of having to order controlled outages. That would happen in the 8 a.m. hour. But for January, at the same time and same extreme scenario, the chance of controlled outages jumps to a little more than 16%. But again, that's assuming conditions are similar to what Texas experienced during the winter storm of December of last year, including the impact to electricity generators. Now, ERCOT told us they expect to have sufficient generation to meet demand this winter, but the North American Electric Reliability Corporation says Texas is similar to other grids around the country, having an elevated risk of not enough available power in extreme weather. Now the group estimates an elevated risk extends over much of the eastern two-thirds of the continent during any prolonged wide area cold snaps. So a level of preparation that's good, but you know, there's still those scenarios where we could be in some bit of trouble. Yeah. Right, because we can't tell what the winter is going to actually bring. I know there are signs that you look yeah. for, but... 
no. Yeah, if the worst case scenario aligns, then we may uh, have to have those controlled outages, it looks like. Yeah. With storms on the mind, not a winter storm, but we do have one coming, right? Yeah, Good exactly. Storm. Yeah, <laughs> a, uh, a fall-like storm here for us with potentially some severe weather. This is how it looks outside right now from the Estonian, where we're at 44 degrees, cloudy skies taking over. I know you enjoyed all the sunshine yesterday. There's not going to be that much of it here today. If you see it at all, it'll be this morning. Clouds are already pushing in from the south, the low clouds too. This is all ahead of tomorrow's storm. That's actually a result of a trough digging deep into the western states right now that's going to move eastward and provide enough momentum and energy to give us some potentially strong storms, but not severe weather for everybody. Let me take you through the timing here. Heading through your Wednesday, Today's just about kind of thickening up the clouds and increasing the moisture. So we go from mostly cloudy this morning to just about completely cloudy here this afternoon. There is a low chance during the early evening we could get some spotty sprinkles drizzle, even a little bit of fog <clears throat> into the early evening. But I think, <clears throat> excuse me, for the most part, the wet weather waits until later in the night to get here. This is 11 o'clock showers and even some thunderstorms start to spread in. Some of these storms may actually wake you before your alarm. This is four in the morning. So scattered to widespread storms, especially metro and our eastern counties where we could even get some stronger storms. But after about one, two in the afternoon, the sun starts to come out and we dry out. How much rain are we looking at? Now, this is not a big rainmaker, quarter of an inch, half an inch in some places, but our main concern is severe weather. Just east of Austin, now at a two out of five severe weather risk, and parts of Milam, Lee, and Fayette, now at a three out of five, with a brief weak tornado being our primary concern here tomorrow morning through the early afternoon. Today, just a low chance for some daytime, late-day sprinkles. We're up to 60 and cloudy. After the storms here tomorrow, cold front dries us out for Friday. Increasing sun, 69 for both Friday and Saturday. Low 70s Sunday with just a low 10% rain chance and even more sunshine and pleasant weather for early next week. Thank you, Nick. It has been nonstop action at cruise ports across the U.S. as vacation cruising hits record levels. Norwegian Cruise President David Edera tells today this morning that the post-pandemic travel demand brought in a new wave of first-time cruisers who received an eye-opening experience. That pent-up demand, that revenge travel, we saw that come immediately after the restrictions were lifted, and we see it continue to grow. Past guests who liked cruising before, they get a chance to do it again, and new guests, new to cruise, people who've never cruised before, they realize it's a fantastic value proposition based on a land-based vacation. You get on the ship, you unpack one time, you go to five, six different countries, Coming up this morning on today's show, going on board Norwegian Cruise Lines, the newest ship that features everything from go-kart racing to luxurious spas to attract a new generation of cruisers. Back here at home, Ascension Seton Medical Center in Austin is responding to National Nurses United's notice of a strike, and that is next week. The nurses' strike is set to begin Wednesday, December the 6th at 6.45 in the morning and is expected to last a full 24 hours. The statement from the hospital says, quote, we are disappointed NNU has made the decision to proceed with this second strike this year, once again creating unnecessary uncertainty 
for our associates and their families and concern for our patients and their loved ones. But they say they have a plan. Ascension Seton says that they will remain open, that they have contracted with a staffing agency that specializes in work stoppage events. The agency will provide the center credentialed registered nurses so they could fill those gaps. And this is what happened when nurses walked out back in July. That's the video you're seeing right here. Seaton said regardless of the duration of this strike, they are contractually required to a minimum of four days of work for any registered nursing staff starting from the first day of a strike. So here's the thing, any registered nurse whose strikes will be temporarily replaced and can return to work on December 10th. Ascension Seaton Medical Center says they have been bargaining in good faith with the NNU for an initial contract that everyone supports. Changes are coming to schools in the country's fastest growing city. This week, Georgetown ISD started talking with parents about changes where some of their kids go to school. KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez spoke with district leaders and parents to find out how the city's growth is behind that proposal. Right now, we have one, two, three overcrowded elementary schools. Georgetown ISD Superintendent Devin Pataville says there are simply too many students in the district's schools. So Georgetown ISD is in the one of the fastest growing communities in the country, and so we have a responsibility to adapt to it. To keep up with the growing number of younger students, the district plans to add an elementary school and a middle school by next fall. To fill those halls and relieve some overcrowding, it's considering adjusting the attendance zones of these seven campuses. I fully acknowledge as superintendent that every time we make a decision about changing attendance boundaries for a school, those are such tough decisions for parents to kind of adjust to. They love the school very much. They uh, always talking about it. Ricky Garcia's twins go here, Wolf Ranch Elementary. He says it would be challenging if his kids were moved to another campus but says they've also noticed the overcrowding. They do mention that uh, when they when they try to eat, it's very, uh, they're, they're almost rushed because I guess the, they have to feed so many kids. Pataville says the current plans are not yet set in stone. That's why the district is now asking parents to weigh in over the next month in public meetings on the rezoning. I mean, right now our stance is to listen and take in feedback. In Georgetown, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. This isn't just Georgetown. Leander ISD is holding a community forum tomorrow night at North Elementary. It's at 6, looking at changes to elementary school zoning. Another meeting is set for next week as well. There is a mysterious respiratory illness affecting dogs in several states across the country, but many pet owners are asking, has this reached Texas? Yeah, because it sounds really bad. And if it has, how do you make sure that your dog is okay? Dr. Lori Teller, a clinical professor at Texas A&M Veterinary School, says it's hard to tell if the illness is actually in Texas because respiratory illnesses are not reportable in dogs in the state. She says the infection can be tracked if owners are willing to have their dogs tested. The illness is similar to other respiratory infections. And Teller says symptoms include coughing and sneezing, a runny nose, fever, watery eyes, and dogs might not play as their usual selves. Now, a lot of people are worried about boarding their dogs as they head out for holiday vacations. Teller says while some cases are severe, you should keep in mind most dogs are fine and a majority recover. So the vast majority of these dogs do fine. They survive, they recover. Uh, so I don't want people freaking out. We're advising people to be cautious. 
There are several vaccines for your dog to take, including the canine influenza vaccine. Now, Dr. Teller adds if an owner is boarding their dog or taking them to daycare, they should ask the facility what it's doing to protect the dogs, how they are preventing the spread, and what they do if an animal has respiratory illness. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Hinn. Good morning to you. Texas checks in again at number seven in the latest college football rankings and their most realistic path to the college football playoff. First, they've got to win that Big 12 title game against Oklahoma State. And then if Louisville beats number four Florida State, then some chaos could ensue. That's assuming the other top three win. It's Georgia, Michigan, and Washington as the top three. Of course, when you think about this Texas club and their 11 and one record, their most regular season win since the last time they won the Big 12, quite a jump from Steve Sarkeesian's first year when the Longhorns struggled so mightily down the stretch, lost seven of their 12 ball games, and the veterans that were back then on the team now remember what that was like, and maybe that makes this even more special. Battle wounds, battle scars, uh, trauma, trauma forms bonds, man. And when you go through a five or seven season like the one we went through where, you know, more than 10 of those games, I think we were probably winning at one point. Um, and to go through a season like that, you, I think we had like five straight losses or something like that. Man, it really, it really, you have to find brothers and you have to look around and you got to, you really form bonds. And as a team, you know, I thought, that season, a lot of people, uh, the people that stayed, I'll say, we we had to, you know, we had to wrap our arms around each other, and we had to push through that thing and push through it, and you know, we we made it through and we kind of, you know, formed our way to the top. Yeah, one more stop, Arlington. It is a sellout Saturday at AT&T Stadium. Moody Center today, it will be loud. That's a guarantee. It's the field trip on the 40 Acres game for the UT women. They host Oral Roberts at 11 a.m. School kids from all over Austin will pack inside Moody. Back to you. So much fun. Okay, Roger, thank you. For those listening on the KXAN Today podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Here's what we're tracking for you at 5 a.m. Round Rock continues to grow rapidly, but does the city have enough space for it? What the leaders have to say.